With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's done it again! Marcus Rashford on his Premier League debut! Aguero! Harry Kane does it again for Tottenham Hotspur! Leicester City! Leicester City are the champions of England! everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League podcast here on FanRag Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren. With me is Polly Quistel. We are Don't Elliot. sound so down. We are Elliot That was West like Field. the most that was like the most depressing intro. Uh it's late. I get that it's late, but like you were just like, "Uh like, come on, man. We're here. We're here. We're doing this. Let's go." Gold cup. Gold cup. Gold Cup, transfers, yeah. everything. Come on, there's so much, and I don't want. I don't want your negativity. That's it. I'm done with your negativity. <laughs> yep. Uh, change of rules here. Then uh, usually it's Polly's uh, negative Nancy, but uh, oh, whoa! Shots fired! Shots fired! <laughs> it's not okay. a negative Nancy. Again, I'm a Mets fan. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we'll kick off by congratulating Germany for being really good at football. They won the European under-21 Euros, and they won the Confederations Cup. Yeah, uh, that German efficiency. Yes. I mean, yeah, even, they're good. They didn't even pick their best sides, and still they went and won both. Well, it's, uh, it's hard to pick your best U21 side when, like, your best players are playing either for your national team or your... Um, I guess for the Confederation Cup, they picked the U23 team. Yeah. But, yeah, go on and be good. Yeah, like, remember, Jurgen Klinsmann set up that system to become really good, develop from the youth, which is what he wanted to do with America. And people were like, okay, cool, that's going to take time. And then two years later, they're like, oh, yeah, it's it's been too long. It's been two years. (laughs) Come on. How how is our youth not better yet? Like, mm. all right, relax, dude. Like, remember, Quinsman when he came to America was like, hey, let's let's focus on the under tens. Guess who was an under ten when he first came to America? Uh, well, no, not an under ten, but like an under twelve or thirteen ish. That Pulisic kid. Yes. So. Yep. Germany are also number one now in the latest FIFA rankings. That dropped here. Was it this morning or was it yesterday? Anywho. It was a while ago, but like, just wait, just, like, does that matter? I mean, I usually take it with a grain of salt, like Switzerland, they're in fifth place right now. But, um, well, but that matters. No, that matters. Oh. So I like, so the FIFA rankings matter in terms of like, who's going to be seated in the World Cup draw. So like this year, this particular year. The, the FIFA rankings matter. Next year, and the year after, and the year after, they don't. Like, you know, like, no one needed to tell me after the last World Cup that Germany was number one and Argentina was number two, because that's how they came out. Mm-hmm. No one needed to tell me that. I knew that. 
the FIFA rankings, like, yeah, they matter for seeding because Russia gets that spot and then the, the next seven spots are pretty coveted. But does it matter if you're number one? No. Does it matter if Switzerland's number five? Yes, because they're, manipula- they're manipulating the rankings in their favor, the same way that Wales and Romania have done that. So, in like, it doesn't matter who's... Uh, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter who's number one, but it does matter who's in that top seven. Well, does it matter who's in number 35th place? No. Is that Sweden, or is that your, your actual home country of the U.S.? No, it's the U.S. Sweden is 18. See, so, like, the thing is with the U.S., no matter what... Like, places. The U.S. has... Like, if they draw Russia, they're in, they're in good hands. But if they don't draw Russia, like, they're probably in the group of death no matter what. And, and they're in the group of death because they're the U.S. That's just the way it goes. Because no matter, you know, of the top seven teams, you're either drawing a really good South American team or you're drawing a European team. And that that's pretty much the way it goes. And if you draw a South American team, then you have the ability to draw another European team, which is not good for the U.S.'s stake. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even if you do draw a European team, because last year they draw they drew Germany and then they drew Portugal again. Um, it's more like you know people people say like oh they need to win the Gold Cup and they need to do this and they need they need to be higher than Mexico and it's and it's important for them to win the group in the World Cup like. Or in World Cup qualifying, it's not because the U.S. won the World Qualif- the World Cup qualifying group last year, and they drew Germany and Portugal. Mexico did not win. Mexico drew really bad teams. Honduras did not win. Honduras got the easiest draw in the World Cup. So, you know, it's again, it's the luck of the draw. But the odds are the U.S. will be drawn into the group of death because of the fact that they are that third team. Yeah, looking at it from a CONCACAF standpoint, Mexico, they're in 16. Don't, don't just yup this. Don't just yup this. This is the only chance of your naturalized citizenship to actually advance because we know Sweden ain't getting there. Why wouldn't they? Are they're, Sweden going to qualify? They're on in the top of the group right now. Above France, above the Netherlands. So, whoop, whoop. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to guess that, that France will eclipse them. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, they had this already is... played France twice. Seb, so. let's be honest here. Seb, 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 yeah. Seb. The been... U.S. is the U.S. is your best chance at World at World Cup glory, and you choosing to uh, transfer your citizenship was uh, a bit of a cop out. <laughs> when we know that you were looking for World Cup glory, and you chose to abandon your home country to come to a new country. Oh yeah. All for that oh, World yeah. Cup glory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's clearly the only reason you did it. No tax reasons. No, 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 no. anything else. Nope. World Cup warrior reasons. Yeah. I should have emigrated to Germany. Um, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, maybe. Yep. Maybe. So, yeah, Germany doing things well there. Um, any other takeaways, though, from the Confederations Cup or the under-21 Euros? Uh, repeat that. I was spacing out. Do you have any other takeaways from the tournaments, the under twenty ones or the confederation? They just they, 
I want to say they don't tell us anything. Um, but then, like, you'll sit there and you'll 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 smack that 2009 Germany team at me, which featured Ozil, Kadira, Neuer. Mm-hmm. Um, it featured six World Cup winners plus Fabian Johnson for, you know, Seb, you're, the Americans. Yep. He's one of us. Um, <clears throat> I just, it's hard to say that any it's hard to translate any youth success i mean spain won the spain won the 2013 uh yeah it was 2013 i think spain won 20 okay and it and it looks like so so that's also something when you win this it looks like your future's bright but like again you have to remember when when I win the the U twenty ones with my twenty three year old squad because they're all twenty three, and it's like these are the best players at this age, but then it's like you now need to compete with somebody who's not just twenty four, not just twenty five, but like twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine. Like you know, somebody for Germany. If if you play out on the on the wing, you're competing with Benzit Ozil for years now. Like you, you have to be better than Ozil now and for years to come in order to play. So it's, it's very hard to say that a team, and this is why like England did very well in the U21s and they, they won the U20 world cup, but it's very hard to say like, Oh, England's got a bright future in front of them because you know, or any of these, look, if, if one of these guys is better than Adam Milano, great, but it's hard to say any of them are better than Delhi Ali. So good for you. You won this, you won this tournament. You know, like the, the Americans did well at the U20 World Cup and we all look at him. We're like, well, the only player that we might look at is Josh Sargent. And when we get to the Gold Cup, I will, like, I'll go into the striker issue. But like, is Josh Sargent even on the radar? Like, we'll, we'll discuss that when we get to the Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same thing with everything. Like, you know, you, 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 you excel at the U19 level, and then the following year you excel at the U20 level, and then the following year you excel at the U21 level. But now <laughs> you have to compete with people that have been excelling at the senior level for years and years and years. It's, you now need to ex- to be better than Ozil and Sherla and Gotze. And that's a lot to ask for a lot of young kids. And the young kids that are better than them usually break through by the time they're 21, and they skip out on the U21 tournament. Yeah, so we should be looking at the under 18, under 17, under 16. Um, I mean, yes, we can look at them, but at the same time, how many young studs come up and then just don't pan out? So it's very hard to... It's, uh, I mean, youth tournaments are what they are. It's very hard. Like, they're entertaining, but it's hard to gauge, you know, look, look, uh... We bo- we're both hockey guys. We both love the World Junior Championships. How often does that translate to an Olympic gold medal? Not very often. Exactly. It's the same thing. It's, you know, like, we, we both, like, you know, this year, the U.S.-Canada game for the gold medal was one of the best hockey games I've ever seen. Do I expect you, like, those players to be, well, now the Olympics are a different story, but let's go back to, let's go back to twenty. Uh, yeah, 2013. 
20, let's go back to 2013. The U.S. wins the gold. They beat Canada. You know, did I expect any of those guys to end up on the Olympic team? No, because they're not, you know, they were the best 20 and under players at the time. But when it came to then the following year, when the Olympics came and they were 21 and it was like they were the best, like they're not better than the, you know, they may not be better than the 25 year old or the 28 year old or the 31 year old. It's it's at a certain point, you stop competing against guys that are your own age and you start competing against guys that are from your age to 10 years older than you. And it's it's difficult to break into that. And then you look at someone like Marcus Rashford, who broke onto the scene last year. And immediately Roy Hodgson said, you know what, of the, of our strikers, you're one of the four best for all ages, you know, so that happens. So, you know, youth tournaments are, they just are what they are. Well, with that, we'll go into the (coughs) gold cup and uh, we're going to, we're going to start things off with group B because that's where we find the United States. And your they, team, they will your team, our team, your team, we believe our team, our team, and they will take on Panama, Martinique and Nicaragua in the group stage, uh, which is spread out uh, between Nashville, Tampa and Cleveland. I will actually be at the game in Cleveland oh, are you? when they take on Nicaragua. Yeah, I got all that <coughs> good uh, media set up. So I'm I'm set parking pass. I hope Cleveland. There. You know what? I hope Cleveland has good media food. I hope so because I'm going to be there for the whole day. Yeah, Philadelphia last year for the for the uh, Copa America, great media food. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully they'll have something good. Yeah, I, I'm going to be there for both because they play two games. If you don't know, they play two games at the same venue each day or each match day. Oh, so, do they? Mm-hmm. So, so they they pair the U.S. with somebody else. Yeah, so you got first, smart move because nobody's watching those games. First, you got the Panama against Martinique game. Yeah, no one's watching that. And then later in the day, you'll get Nicaragua against the United States. So uh, that's how that works out. Uh, the U.S. they <laughs> kick things off though with Panama. That's the the most difficult game. If we take a quick look back at the FIFA rankings, United States, as we said, 35th place. Panama, okay, but 52. Come on, come on, dude. 52. We're, and, are, uh, we're doing this on the FIFA rankings now? Nah, not really. I mean, we can look at their I mean, look too. at CONCACAF. Look at CONCACAF. There's U.S., Mexico, then there's Costa Rica, and then there's everybody else. There's Honduras, and then everybody else. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know too much about this Panama squad. Uh, they got a couple of guys from the MLS. Well, that's the thing about MLS. And, and Elliot and I have discussed this before, is that what MLS has really done is the, the, the design of MLS was to help American soccer. And it has. But these days, it seems to be hurting more because MLS likes to market their stars. So, you know, you get a star, we're not going to sell him to a European team. Because MLS owns all their players, which means they're playing at a league at a level that they shouldn't be playing at. But what it really does is for all these unknown players from the the rest of the Americas, from Central America, it's giving them a much higher level to play at than what they used to be getting. So Panama, Costa Rica, Jamaica, 
you know, all those countries now, their players are playing at the MLS level, which is better than what the level that they used to be playing at. Mm-hmm. So it's making CONCACAF better. And at the same time, when they come across a good U.S. player, they're holding him back, which is almost making the U.S. worse and really closing the gap between the U.S. and the rest of CONCACAF. Yep. I totally agree with you there. And I mean, that's why yeah. that's why we've spoken about Kellen Acosta. I think that's a player that we should that should be going. Jordan Morris. He is the most he is the most the biggest player to watch in this tournament. I think yep. there's I would I for the U.S. I'm going to focus on three players. And that is Kellen Acosta, Dom Dwyer and Jorge Villafania. Mm-hmm. Villafania's played in the World Cup qualifiers and Arena's trusting him a left back and I would start him in, in every game for no other reason than to just give him international experience because people people make that as a big thing like you know like unfortunately when, when it comes to international soccer Villafania could be the best left back that we have and then people will be like well he doesn't have experience yeah. so just start him get him, get him caps Get him caps. It's better to it's better to have twelve caps to your name than to have seven caps to your name. Even if they're in these crappy, you know, ignored gold cup games, start him. Just let him play. Let him run down that left flank all game. Let him do it. When it comes to Acosta, I think Acosta is the the one player who really has a chance to push for a starting spot. Um, at Russia, if. You know, if and when we make it, knocking on my computer and my bed and everything. You know, when it comes to the wings, I really want to say Fabian Johnson has a spot, but like I've really been thinking about it recently, and like he really hasn't played well in a U.S. shirt. He hasn't. He hasn't hit that same level for country that he has for club. So I'm hoping if he can do that over the next year. And, and play at a high level for club, you know, he's got a spot. Uh, Bruce Arena seems to really like Nagby. People like Nagby. Give him a spot. Those are your wings. Christian Pulisic, you know, obviously you, obviously the t- he's the first name on the team sheet, and you figure out the rest of the formation around him. So things seem to fall into place. The question is who plays next to Michael Bradley? Uh, because... Let's be honest. Uh, when you play Panama at home and Costa Rica at home, you don't need a second holding midfielder next to next to <coughs> excuse me next to next Bradley. But it should but, be Kellen Costa, <coughs> right? But you don't need that. When you go to the World Cup, regardless of who you're playing, they need you need a second midfielder next to him, and that should be that. Right now, pencil it in. Is Kellen Costa? Mm-hmm. And what he just needs to do in this Gold Cup and what he has the opportunity to do in this Gold Cup is cement that place. Now, does that mean I think Jermaine Jones does deserve a spot on the team? I think Jermaine Jones does deserve a spot on the team. I think when we're at our, I think in the 2016 Copa America and the 2014 World Cup, he was our best central midfielder. He still deserves a spot on the midfield. But he... Like, you know, I, I don't know if I start Jermaine Jones. I want him on the team. 
I want his experience. I want his leadership and I want his, um, his abilities out there. But if I can only get a half hour of his abilities, okay. Mm-hmm. Like if we need it, we'll, we'll call on you. And if we don't need it, if Kellen Acosta could provide that for 90 minutes, we'll do that. But I like to have that option. So I, I'm not one that says we're done with Jermaine Jones. I just think, you know, maybe let's not start him. Yeah, and I totally agree with you there. Uh, if we take a look at the squad that they've that Bruce Arena selected for the Gold Cup, it's a you know far from the best team we could have selected. Uh, you know, it's mostly players from the MLS. There's a couple of players from Mexico, and then we got two players from England, uh, Matt Miazga and uh, Eric Lehigh. Um, first though Miazga I mean was set out on loan to Vitesse from Chelsea last season do you think he'll start in the in the Gold Cup or do you think he'll just be on the bench I mean I really hope he starts what's the point in selecting who would you and we said like uh, I mean I hold on Beasler or Gonzalez? Well, uh, Miazka's a left-footed guy, right? Don't remember on top of my head. Pretty sure he's a left-footed um, player. So th- so I think he's like the left-side center back. Um, I think, I mean, with both of them, you know what you have. I would almost... They don't even have a lot of defenders. Jeez. Um, I mean, I look at... No, that's a fullback. So, I mean... i definitely start Miazga and maybe play him alongside Gonzalez. Okay. I mean, like Gonzalez is the more inconsistent of the two, and you want to see how he can do with somebody else. B-Squirt, no matter who you put him next to, it just seems like he does his job. Yeah. And at this point, B-Squirt's 30 years old. Um, you know, I don't, I think B-Squirt is what he is, and he's totally competent at that. So, like, I think as long as B-Squirt keeps playing at the level he's playing at, he's got a trip to, to Russia, and if you need him, he steps in without without hesitation. It's Gonzalez is where the question marks are. Sometimes he's really good. Sometimes he's not. And I think it's better for Gonzalez to play with people that he's not used to because mm-hmm. that's better experience for him. Like, it, you know, we've seen this before when Gonzalez gets put into a situation with someone he's not used to and it's a disaster. So he needs that practice. Beasler, you put Beasler next to anybody – He's exactly the same way. And then looking at the midfield, uh, your to- two most experienced midfielders here are Alejandro Bedoya, 61 caps. He's the most capped player in this whole squad. And then Jossie Sardis at 32 caps. And we spoke about Sardis before. He's back in the squad here now. And that's a player who has a lot to prove if he's going to be anywhere near the squad to Russia. Yeah, and I mean, Bedoya's there. He's the experience, and I think Bedoya is serving a role of Bruce Arena is going to, you know, can you come off the bench and 
and do what I ask you to do. And what, what does that mean? Does that mean can you come off the bench and help shore us up defensively to hold the lead? Or can you come off the bench and help us push forward the attack? It's, it's, it's a both thing. And Bedoya was actually on the Gold Cup team, despite the fact that he played in France uh, last in 2013, the other time that we had this, the, uh, the quote-unquote B Gold Cup. Bedoya was on that team. And that was when Jurgen Klinsmann really played him in new roles. And, and that was essentially when he played himself onto the World Cup team by being an attacking player. But this is this is going to be like, look, I don't think Bruce Arena, envis- when he has his full squad at his arsenal, I don't think he envisions him as being a starter. And the question is, can I call on you when we need to push forward and score a goal? Also, can I call on you when we're up by a goal and we need to protect that lead? That's what he's looking at for from Alejandro Bedoya. And I think that showed by when they played Ghana this past week, he wasn't close to the starting 11 and he came on as a sub and that's exactly what they asked him to do. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, killing Costa, definitely the one to watch here. Uh, one debutant and that's Christian Roldan from Seattle Sounders. He's the only uncapped player in this team. Didn't he get ca- did he not get capped on Saturday? Uh, I don't think so. Oh yeah, you're right. He did not. Interesting. I mean, I, I won't pretend to know about him. He plays for Seattle. He's he's been he's been good. Well, I'll go back to Zardes for a second. Zardes, you know, got a lot of caps under Quinsman that first year, and we discussed this. We discussed this on the podcast. He looked like someone that should have gone to Europe. European teams were interested in him, and then he had an awful Gold Cup the first time around. And the interest waned. He decided, I'm going to stay in Los Angeles, and we barely heard from him since. Yep. So this is like a, you know, last year he he played in the Copa America last year. Everybody hated the fact that he was always in the starting, line, starting 11. And it was more interesting because – you know, he was praised for his work ethic and his ability to track back and all this stuff. And it was, and if you would have around the clock 12 months ago, it was like, oh, Zardes is the other striker or Zardes is this attacking winger. And then literally a month later when he was 24 years old, it was like, oh, he's just this hard working winger. So I don't know if that's what you want to become known as. So this is his chance to become that attacking player and maybe show people okay i'm still that attacking guy maybe make a move maybe he'll realize now if people are interested in me maybe i should make a move and, and excel my game because his game really looks to have plateaued and oh, yeah. and when you look at you know in 2015 if your game plateaued that was fine but now when you look at it, there's fabian johnson there's darlington nagby there's christian pulisic it, you know there's a lot more competition for those spots yeah, and I think the fact, too, that he is a little bit older now doesn't help him to get into the right type of league either. Ah, uh, he's 25. Yeah, that's, you know, that's not... Uh, if you look at some clubs in Europe who are sort of in that mid-tier, when they go after a player, they want to make sure that they're <coughs> down the line, they can sell him 
and hopefully make a profit or at least regain the money. I'm not. Yeah, I guess. I'm not sure you buy Sardis and then in four years flip him for a profit. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. So I, I, I mean, I, unfortunately, that's the way a lot of people think. I'm, I am of the, the belief that like you, you buy a player so that you know he could be successful and help you win now. But you're right. That is un- unfortunately how many teams think. Yeah. And then we got three forwards in this team. We got Jordan Morris, Seattle. We got Dom Dwyer, the new the new man from Sporting Kansas. And then Juan Agudelo from New England. So, uh, yeah, Dwyer scored in his debut for his new country. <laughs> so Dwyer's my... Uh... Dwyer's my interesting one because I want to be excited by him. I do. And I also am skeptical because the guy is a career MLS player. So he's a very good MLS guy, scores a lot of goals in MLS. In MLS. So on one hand, he could just very well be this year's Wondolowski. You know, people, you know, People for like people think that like oh our B team just walked through the Gold Cup in 2013. People forget like Landon Donovan was the player of the tournament and he scored like five goals. Uh, Chris Wondolowski scored a bunch of goals in that tournament and that's what played him onto the uh, team in 2014. Is that going to be Dom Dwyer or do you look at the other hand and say well Dom Dwyer is 100% English and just happens to have gotten American citizenship and now he's playing for the U.S. Two interesting ways to look at it, but it's also how do you look at the Gold Cup is, okay, Dom Dwyer dominated the Gold Cup if he were to go and do that, and he deserves to play. Okay, but like who's ahead of them? And this is how you have to look at this whole Gold Cup is certain people play really well, but then so if Kellen Acosta plays really well, he's in the starting 11. And certain people, if they play really well, you know, like if, if you if Matt Miazga lights the world on fire, maybe he starts over John Brooks. Maybe, you know, you don't know. And or if Eric Lehodge is absolutely locked down at right back and provides a good option going forward, he probably starts over DeAndre Yedlin in the next World Cup qualifier. But certain people, like you know, Christian Pulisic is going to walk right back into that eleven. Michael Bradley, whether it's deserved or not, is going to walk <laughs> right back into that eleven. Yep. So when you look at the strikers, what does Bruce Arena think? Like, you know, I think Dom Dwyer, I'm I'm willing to give Dom Dwyer a look. And I think maybe he might be better than Josie out the door. And he might be better than Clint Dempsey at the at the moment. Um I don't think he's better than Bobby Wood. No. But what does Bruce Arena think? Does Bruce Arena think that Josie Altador is still the best out of all of them? That Josie Altador should be starting. You know, the striker position is so interesting because Josie Outdoor just has had a lockdown on that position for years, despite not being the best striker for years. So, you know, if Tom Dwyer goes out and scores a bunch of goals, like, cool, Bobby Wood scored a bunch of goals. Quint Dempsey keeps scoring a bunch of goals. Josie Outdoor seems to keep staying in this position. So I really want Tom Dwyer to be successful here, but... I don't know, even if he is really successful, does that unseat the position? It's it's almost like we were discussing a couple of weeks ago. 
if Jordan Pickford's really good for the England U21s, it really doesn't do anything because they have Joe Hart, who is firmly in that position, but they have two guys on the bench in front of Jordan Pickford who are both better than Joe Hart to begin with, and neither of them are playing. Yep, that's true. So, I mean, I, I, you know, that's what it comes to. And I, it's a side tangent, though. But I think by by the time we get through the World Cup, Joe Hart is not the starting goalkeeper for England. Right. Well, that's that. That's going to England. I I also happen to think, um, I want to see. I when we're like, there's three strikers on the team. I want to see Jordan Morris get a chance. I think he deserves a chance, and that's that's all it is. I think he deserves a chance to start one of the three group games. I want to see what he can do because I don't think we've ever seen Jordan Morris get a chance. And I don't know. Like maybe Jordan Morris is better than, than Dom Dwyer. Maybe he's not. I don't know. That's why we should play him at least once to see. Like, let's see. Maybe Jordan Morris was just this flash-in-the-pan college star who's never really going to amount to anything. I think he's deserved the chance of a look. I don't think he's deserved, you know, like that fourth. I didn't think it was unjust when he was left off the Copa America roster. Now, granted, they put Wando on it instead of him. Uh, So that was questionable, but I didn't think it was unjust for Morris to be left off. And I want to see him get a chance because I think he deserves that. And after that, we'll see how he is. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting too because you, you would think that Pan- Panama is going to be the, the toughest group game, and that's the the one they start off with. And then they play Martinique, which should be the easiest one, and then they finish things off with Nicaragua, who's, you know, in the middle. Which is unfortunate because it, there's a very good chance that, you know, you play your best 11 against Panama. And then you play your, and then you rotate a bit because it's what three, four days later against Martinique. Yeah, four days later, and then you got three days, and then it's yeah, and you rotate a bit, and then and those players all play really well, but against a crap team. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing too. Do you start? Do you start Morris against Martinique, and he scores four goals, and it doesn't really matter. Because it's against Martin. Right. I mean, well, but at the same time, at the same time, you take it all with a grain of salt because we're not playing our best team. Panama's not playing their their best team. Martinique maybe playing their best team, and then Nicaragua. What, who are they playing? Like you know, it's that's the whole, that's the whole thing about this about this gold cup. And it looks like Brad Guzan's going to be our goalkeeper. Why? Mm-hmm. Like why? Why is Brad Guzan playing goalkeeper? And now, granted, the other goalkeepers on the roster, Sean Johnson, he's not the future. And Bill Hamid, he's not the future. You know, I mean, Ethan Horvath is, it's obvious, you know, he's playing in Europe, so you want to let him settle in with this club and do the preseason. But do we not have another goalkeeper, like a young goalkeeper? Well, who was the one that just switched? Oh, yeah, Jesse Gonzalez. Yeah, that would have been a, that would have been a good option, but he didn't have his paperwork in by the time the group started. I think he'll be on the team in the knockout rounds. <laughs> it has been reported that Arena is going to call in some veterans for the knockout rounds. I wouldn't be shocked to see him calling uh, Jesse Gonzalez. I wouldn't be shocked to see him calling Quint Dempsey either. Because no. I think he wants Dempsey to get that record. 
And I think he wants him to do it, not a World Cup qualifying. Right, there you go. Yeah, looking at Martinique, uh, I mean, they got one player in the MLS. That's uh, Jordi Delem, who plays for Seattle. Um, and then Nicaragua. Yeah, I couldn't tell you too much there. It's like 98% of their team plays in the domestic league. And they got one player who plays for a team in Iceland, one in Peru, and uh, two in Guatemala. So, and there you have it. Uh, jumping back to Group A, we find Honduras, Costa Rica, French Guiana, and Canada. Costa Rica, they're 26 in the latest FIFA rankings. They dropped seven places. So not as many as the U.S., but still dropped a few. Um, they got I mean, I think, team, I, think ultimately, I think ultimately the U.S. is better than the Costa Ricas. We, we beat them the last, like, you know, when we play them um, at home, we've won. We played them in the Copa America recently. We won. We won handily. It's just that one. It's just that stadium. That stadium in Costa Rica, we can't win at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Costa Rica, they got a pretty good side here, though. They look like yeah, I'd imagine they do. most of their regulars. Uh, you got Brian Reese. You got Joe Campbell. Um, so, I mean, I definitely feel like this could be a, a team to look out for. Brian Reese has been around for about 40 years. Yeah, he's still only 31, though. He's still only 41? 31. Uh, well, that's pretty much 41 at this point. <laughs> I mean, they got some good attacking options. I mean, him and Campbell, those, that's two of the better players that are going to be in this tournament. Yeah. Brian Oviedo is there from Sunderland. You got Celtics, Christian Gamboa. So, I mean, they actually got a lot of the European players here. So, good for them. They got one player playing in Thailand, too. Uh, French Guiana. Can you name a player there? No, I'm not even going to try. Ah, come no. on. Former Chelsea French man. Guinea? For... French Guinea? French Guinea? No, yeah, French Guinea. Former Chelsea man. What position? Midfielder. How old? 37. It's not Florent Maluda. Yes. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, still terrible. Yeah, he, so he switched. After not playing for France for four years, he switched to French Guiana. And uh, his current team are the Delhi Dynamos in the Indian League. He was voted uh, hero of the Indian Super League last season. That's a pretty cool accolade. Okay. So yeah, that that's the only player I know from that team. I mean, I don't watch the. 
I I won't pretend that I watched the Gold Cup for anything other than U.S. games. Now, but this will be interesting. I want to see him play. I don't even want. I don't even care. I don't even care. Honduras, they got a pretty decent side too. Let's be honest. Most of these Gold Cup games will be up against like preseason United and Chelsea and everybody games, and I'll probably watch those over the of the Gold Cup. Mm. Even though even though competitive soccer is better than not competitive soccer, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's hard. Honduras, keep a lookout. Anthony Lozano. Rumors are he's securing a uh, move to Barcelona. Well, he'll play for the Barcelona B team. We're back into second division in Spain. So good on him. Is that what that stands for? Back in the second division in Spain? Yeah, they uh, they won promotion. There you go. Um, yeah, then Canada. What do you want to say about our neighbors to the north? <laughs> they won a gold cup once. They advanced on coin tosses. They won a gold cup. Not going to win again. Mm. Who's their best player? Uh, probably Dwayne De Rosario. If he still exists. Uh, no. Okay. Let's get to the transfers. <laughs> nope. Group C. Mexico. They're also, good. Also a very, very different team from what we saw in the Confederations Cup here. They are basically going Full on B squad, C squad. They're playing youth as they should. Develop the youth the way that Germany did. Good for them. Yeah, they got one 19 year old, couple 20 year olds. 21, 22. Yep. Yeah, we'll see there. Um, all but one player is from uh, the Mexican League. Uh, Eric Torres from Houston is the only guy playing outside of Mexico. El Salvador, give us a lowdown. Shit, cockcraft team. Okay. They got. You're asking me for the for the breakdown on on the uh, as if I'm the only American on the show. Hey, here. I mean you should have read up on these nations, man. Dude, uh, this Gold Cup, uh, I am a, I am a let's. Let's just watch the U.S. Whoever the the MOS All Stars because that's what the U.S. is. Let's watch them and and see what they do and and not ask any questions and not get too heavily invested. Okay. Also in that group we got Curacao. I think they're going to be the punching bag there, and then Jamaica. Yeah, they're decent. Hmm. They're leaning, like you said earlier, I mean, a lot of Jamaican players playing MLS, and they are leaning heavily on that. They got one player from uh, the Swedish second division. Dwayne Miller, goalkeeper. Where does he play? He plays for Syrianska. Uh, what city is that in? That's from Södertälje, which is south of Stockholm. How is that city? Fun city? Good no. vacation spot? Nope, not at all. There you go. No. It's a no, small, no small good. town. There you go. No good. Okay. So I know uh, Paulie's eager to talk silly season. 
as uh, I'm not I'm, even. I just, I just know that there's news to be talked about. You you want to talk about the Lukaku deal that? I don't even know if I want to. All the English press is you know screaming on top of the lungs here that United have come to a an agreement with Everton, seventy five million. I was ready to talk pounds. Arsenal, so to be honest. Okay, well now you get Romelu first. So, okay. The latest thing uh, is from the Guardian that Lukaku will do his um, medical checkup in LA. Oh, <laughs> to meet up with the team. And then, uh, yeah, I mean that's where Manchester United will start their preseason tour. And how do you feel about this? $75 million for Lukaku? That's a lot of money. Yes, but how do you feel? Uh, okay. I would rather see it be like 50 and they get Rooney. Right, but I think what I read today was that they decided to separate the two deals. Oh, okay. And it was, and Rooney was, you know, not going to happen. You know, with them at all. I mean, Rooney's not on the preseason tour. Well, Rooney's staying back to finalize deal with Everton, but it was it was going to be separate deals no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, like whether even if we didn't come to even if we didn't sign Lukaku, yeah, Rooney, Rooney was going to go to Everton. Okay. Had I not known that terrible stat from last season that we spoke about. I probably would have filled oh, a little they, bit better. Uh, that how his goals for Everton basically didn't matter. Apparently, all but fifteen of his career goals have come against bottom six sides. Okay, that's another pretty worrying stat. I mean, my concern. Look, I think Romelu Lukaku is a really good striker. I think he'll be. I think. <laughs> Even, no matter what, like, despite all those stats, scoring 25 goals for an Everton team that really did not have any other firepower other than him, I think that's a really good accomplishment. He scored for West Brom, Mm -hmm. uh, who didn't have any firepower. So I think adding him to a team with Mata and Mkhitaryan and and Martial and Rashford and, and all that, I think he'll score goals. However, this is also a striker that, like, what, as soon as we got linked to him, I was immediately concerned because this is a striker who Jose Mourinho sent out on loan because, and in, fav- and in, in place of him, he selected Demba Ba and the carcasses of Samuel Eto and Fernando Torres, yeah. who really didn't score at all. And Demba Ba didn't score at all. Yeah, well, Lukaku and, was, what, 20 then? He just dominated the league the year before for West Brom. Like, Chelsea sent him out on loan the year before. The year before Mourinho showed up, he had played for West Brom and dominated the league. And then Mourinho didn't even give him a look. He just said, nah, I got Demba Ba. And that was what was concerning. Was because, if you remember, like, Manchester City ended up winning the title that year. Chelsea went through the season... Really, the only thing they were missing that year was a striker. And you looked at him and you're like, well, they're starting Eto this week and they started Deba Bond next week and they started Fernando Torres the week after. And you're like, 
their best striker is playing for Everton. Yeah. And then Mourinho was just so – it was so – he didn't even try to be like, well, Romo Okaku had a great season for Everton. Let's bring him back. He just went, oh, Everton – like, let's figure out a way to sell him to Everton. So why do all of a sudden – why do I want to get excited for someone who Jose Mourinho never liked? Like, now I'm supposed to be like, oh, I'm so excited for him to work with Jose Mourinho? Is that what I'm supposed to say? And for a guy who, again, I, if we're not going to play two strikers, I, we're, we're bringing, we're not bringing in a veteran guy who knows what he's doing, like Zlatan, or even what I said, like when I, when I had that crazy thought of Jermaine Defoe or anything, like we're just bringing in a guy who, at most, is blocking Marcus Rashford's path. Like, why don't we, you know? How are we going to know if Marcus Rashford and Jose Mourinho believes highly in Rashford? He led the team in in appearances this year, whether it was off the bench or starting. Jose Mourinho, whether he started them or didn't, tried to get him into a game. How are we going to know if he is actually the real deal if we keep bringing in players, if we bring in a striker like Lukaku, who now we, we just spent $75 million on him, we need to start him at striker. Yeah. Which means Rashford has to start out on the wing because Mourinho refuses to play two strikers. So how are we ever expecting Rashford to achieve his potential? It, what well, I I just I don't think he's a sure thing. And if you're going to spend seventy five million and say you're going to be the guy and you're blocking, I think Martial is more of a striker than a winger. I think Rashford is certainly more of a striker than a winger. Yeah. And if you so anybody that you bring in at, to that's blocking their chances of playing striker needs to be a, a short-term solution. And we just brought in almost a long-term solution that we're not sure is better. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, you know, Lukaku is not, I'm afraid we're going to play a lot more long balls. That's for sure. Since he's more of a towering you know, target player. That's fine. Do that. Do that as long as Fellini doesn't see the field. No, no, that's true. You want to hear some other players that Mourinho has sold over the years? I mean, I I, I've known it. I mean, he's sold. He has sold one of the best. If you look at the players that he has sold, it's one of the best starting 11s in football. So you got Lukaku. You got Kevin De Bruyne. You got Leonardo. Andre Serra. Leonardo Bonucci. Ryan Berg, Andre Sherwa. Yes. Juan Mata, David Luiz, Mohamed Zala, who's back now in England. He's with Liverpool. Peter Cech. Felipe Luiz. It, I mean, look, I've compiled the list before. It's one of the best starting lines of football. Yeah. Frank Lampard. He sold Frank Lampard. Yeah, he sold the old Frank Lampard, though. Well, he sold him. For the sake of the article, he sold Frank Lampard. Yeah. Just the name. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I mean, we'll see. It's a lo- it's a lot of money. I probably would have rather, you know, spent the fifty or whatever that Arsenal spent on Alexander Lacazette. I mean, like here's that. at the end of the day, at seventy five million, it's like you better start thirty one games. I don't want you to start thirty one games. I would have yeah, rather gotten better score twenty five goals. Right, but I also would have rather gotten somebody that could start 
18 games and Rashford starts the other eight, you know, not to say you start every other game, but, you know, you kind of split the work and whoever's playing better down the stretch score like plays. And I just, I think it's what, what we were worried about when United signed Jose Mourinho and about the development of Marcus Rashford, he's made it clear. He really loves Rashford and he played him more than he played anybody else. But, like play him in a position where he could succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't sit there and say I can only play one striker because I need five midfielders. Go out there and play two strikers if you have to. Yeah, be like brave. let him play. You know, do that. Yeah. Play like Manchester United. Yeah, be brave. Be brave. Uh, yeah, let's go to Arsenal though. Alexander Lacazette, fifty-three uh, million euros. Uh, could French Chicharito could get as high as sixty with uh, French centers. Chicharito. Okay, what do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, he's the French version of Chicharito. He's a good finisher. Inside the box, you get him the ball, he'll finish. And outside the box, he's not a good passer. He's not a good dribbler. He's not really a good soccer player. Outside of the box. And that was always my problem with Chicharito, and that's your problem with Lacazette. And I mean, that was that was the thing with Van Nistelrooy, too. He scored like 99% of all his goals inside the box. He was great at it. Okay. Van Nistelrooy played with Beckham, Skulls, Giggs, Keane, other, like, insert someone else. That's some of the best. Like, right there, Skulls, Skulls and Giggs. You're not going to you're not going to find much better players at their positions than they were at that time, especially not in England. And Beckham, you're not going to find a better winger in England at that time. That's not the case now, especially when you don't know what's going on with Sanchez and you don't know what's going on with Ozil. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he'll need the service. That's for sure. But, I mean, you look at it, he's not great outside the box. He's 30, and he has a 33% conversion rate in the box, which is good. But factor into that 10 of those are penalties. 10 of those goals that he scored, penalties. So all of a sudden that inflates the conversion rate. And, I think my friend who's an Arsenal fan sums it up the best when he said, am I supposed to be excited about a player who has been kept? Uh, am I supposed to be excited about a striker who's been kept out of the French starting 11 by Olivier Giroud? Yes, because it's two so, totally different systems. Yeah, but Giroud he was slows, never able Giroud slows Arsenal down. Didier Deschamps <laughs> likes having that target man. He no, likes having he's, target man. He slows France down too. We've we've just we discussed this. We spent last summer discussing this. We spent last summer saying, why is Giroud in the France eleven? Because Deschamps doesn't want to play Griezmann and Lacazette at the same time. No, because Deschamps doesn't want to play Griezmann and Payet and Martial and and now these days Mbappe or Osman Dembele, it's all these players. He's got so many options. You know, you don't need that target man because you have Pogba and you have Matuidi and you have uh, um, N'Golo Kante. You know, you have those three guys in the middle that control everything. You don't need Olivier Giroud. 
You could play through the middle. You could do so many things with that dynamic team. But instead, he opts for, I need Giroud out there, which I, you could play with Lacazette as that, as that target man. But he says, I need Giroud. And in order to balance the team, I need Sissoko, who can't even buy a game at Tottenham. So, no. Like, if Lacazette was that good, he would have eclipsed Olivier Giroud by now. I think he's so much better than Giroud. I think he's better than Giroud, too, but I don't know if he's as good as we think he can be. I mean, I am not going to say that he's a new Thierry Henry, but I think he's going to... He's probably going to score 20 goals. I don't know. We, I, it's, it's hard to... It's, it's really hard to predict anything with Arsenal these days. How are they going to be? And I think he's going to suit them better. Maybe, but they were at their best when Sanchez played down the middle last year. Yeah. So what good does getting a striker do? All right, all right, we were at our best doing this, and then we got a striker, so now we can move Sanchez back this way, and now we're not at their best anymore. It's also very difficult to tell how someone will will play when they've never played in England before. You know, that's what makes me more confident about the Lukaku signings. He's scored 25 goals in England before. Like, that's never played in England. Yeah. It usually takes people a while to adapt to England. Yeah, but I don't think it's as bad as it used to be. Uh, I think it's, it's still right up there. Look at Pogba this year. Took him a long time. One could argue he still hasn't hit his potential. He wanted to do too much. He wanted to do what? He wanted to do too much, and then he got that big old cross with a transfer fee hanging over his shoulders. Yeah, well, Mkhitaryan, it took him until December to break into the team. Yeah, but he's a slow starter. He's a slow starter. We know that for a fact. Dude, it, there's so many people, they come to England, it takes a while. I'm, I'm just... I. I find it hard to play, especially because it's Arsenal. Like, you know, this, the team that tried to tell you Peter Cech was the missing ingredient to their title-winning team. And then Leicester wins the title, and then the following year they they finish fifth. Yeah. I mean, I don't see, like I said, making them into a title contender. They're still far off from that. That's for sure. Uh, let's move on. Leicester uh, taking up the fight with West Ham for the... Signature of Kelechi Iannaccio. Where would you rather uh, see whoever him? Get, Lester or West Ham? Uh, it doesn't matter where I see him. No. Whoever gets him, they're getting a good player. Yeah. Yep. And then, um, yeah, with Lacazette coming in, Lucas Perez uh, seemingly on his way out, and big speculations that Giroud could be on his way out too. Dude, that Rooney Giroud partnership at Everton is a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, Everton is for all the money for all the money Everton have spent for all the money Everton have spent this summer. If you're going to take Manchester United and Arsenal's castoffs, how do you expect to finish above Manchester United or Arsenal? I don't think they're going to get Giroud and Rooney. I mean, Rooney's going to come on a free, so, but. My my thing is is even if you get Rooney, 
I don't know if you you should be playing him. Oh, they'll play him. Oh, they'll play. Him. I know they will, but I don't know if they should be. Yeah. So Marseille seemingly best uh, first in line to get Giroud. So we'll see. Um, he's got two more years on left on his contract, and um, yeah. I mean, I, I can't really say I would be sad to see him go. Yeah. I mean, it's good for other fans that Giroud plays because he misses a lot of chances. The dude misses a lot of chances. A lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Slatan has been seen in uh, Turin. He's also been seen now. Away a bunch of times. Yeah. So we don't know where he's gonna go. I'd bet away. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It does. Especially if he's going to be back around March. So that's perfect timing for when the season starts. So, With that, we'll say goodbye. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Polly's Pico WFAN. Give Foundrex Sports a follow as well. And be sure to catch all the goodness that is the Gold Cup that kicks off on Friday. And we'll talk to you again after the weekend. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.